Good morning, everybody. It's lovely to see some faces out there. I'd like to just take this opportunity to say thanks to Ken and Piet for giving me um, this special time to be able to share with you some things. I love teaching the Word of God, and so this is really my happy place this morning. When my sons were very young, they were involved in swimming races in their particular school that they went to. So every year, once a year, the whole school would come together and all the children would have together with the parents and the grandparents and friends and the children would have to race against each other in the swimming pool. And the little ones would have to swim 50 meters, which may not seem far to you, but 50 meters to a six-year-old is really far. And what would happen is they would jump into the swimming pool and they would start off with a lot of energy. And their little hands and their feet would be going really fast. And I would say about a quarter of the way in, you would start to see them lose some of the momentum. And halfway in, some of them would start to go down under the water and then gasp for breath and try and keep going. And so us as moms, we knew that these children needed encouragement. And so we would run along the side of the pool as they were swimming, and we would shout out our encouragement to our little kids. And so we would shout out things like, keep going, you're nearly there, or you can do it, don't give up, you can do this, keep going. And we would continually shout out encouragements as they got closer and closer to the end. You would all agree with me that this year has been very challenging for all of us. For some of you, it's been heartbreaking. For others of you, it's been really frustrating. We have been like those little children that are swimming the 50 meters. And some of your arms and legs have been going really fast as you've been adjusting to new situations, possibly in the workplaces, or not being able to see friends and family. Um, others, of you, uh, others of you have felt like at times you've been sinking because it's just been a really challenging year. But I want to say that this year has not been wasted. Do you know that God never wastes any seasons in our lives? He always uses it to build things in us and to teach us things. I truly believe that for the people of God, this year has not been wasted. But I feel like God is wanting to shout encouragements to his church this morning, just like us as moms did to our children. I feel like he's wanting to shout encouragements to his church as we walk this walk of faith, specifically in the area of your prayer life. He wants to come alongside of you and say, keep going, don't give up, you can do this. He wants to shout encouragements at you, specifically in the area of your prayer lives. Now for some of us, when we hear the word prayer, we immediately feel, feel condemned. Because for all of us, we know that we could pray more than what we're doing now. But this morning, as I speak about it, I want you to hear your heavenly Father shouting, come on, keep going. You can do it, don't give up praying. 
Prayer is the amazing ability we have to talk to the creator of the universe who has become personal to us. That's what prayer is, talking to the creator of the entire universe, but he's not distant, he's become personal to us. And when you pray, do you know that there are always four persons involved? There is you who's doing the praying, but then there is your heavenly father. When the disciples said to Jesus, teach us how to pray, this is what he said to them. He said, go into your room and pray to your heavenly father. Don't pray to a distant God. Pray to your heavenly father. It becomes intimate. He says, use the word father. So we, the father is there when you pray. Thirdly, Jesus is there when you pray. The reason you are able to pray is because Jesus has made it possible for you to have an intimate relationship with the Father. Jesus has made it possible for you to pray. And he is there when we pray. Jesus said in John verse 15, no one can come to the Father unless he comes through me. So when we pray, we pray to the Father, but we pray through Jesus. As Christians, we know we wouldn't be able to pray to our Father if it wasn't for the work of Jesus. So when you go to pray, there's you, there's the Father, and there's Jesus. But there's someone else there too. The Holy Spirit is there. In John 16, Jesus is saying to his disciples, I'm going back up to heaven, but I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, and he will be your helper. And the word of God tells us that when we don't know what to pray for, the Holy Spirit will help us pray. So when you go to pray, always realize that there are four persons involved. You are not alone. It's you, your Father, it's Jesus, and it's the Holy Spirit. Prayer is actually a very busy time when you understand this. There are four persons involved. But if prayer is so amazing, which we know it is, and if we know God has called us to pray as Christians, I want to try and answer the question for you, why is it so difficult? Why do we not pray more? Why is prayer sometimes so frustrating? Why do we go through seasons in our life where we really pray, and then others where we, we just know we're not praying? Why is prayer so difficult? I want to give you two reasons that I hope is going to help you in your prayer life this morning. So when I talk to another human being, when I talk to a friend, I meet them for coffee and I'm talking to my friend. All my physical senses are involved. I can see that person and they can see me. I can see what they look like. I can see what they're wearing. I can see their facial expressions when they're talking. I can even read their body language. So there's a visual experience that I'm having with that person. Secondly, I can hear them with my ears, my physical ears. I can hear what they're saying. They can hear what I'm saying. Thirdly, there could be touch involved. So when you see your friend, you give them a hug when we were allowed to. Or perhaps they're telling you something sad and you're able to put your hand on their shoulder and just give them a comf comforting tap. There's touch involved. There's a handshake. Um, there's touch involved when we get together with our friends. There could even be smell involved. 
You could smell the, the perfume or the cologne that they're wearing. Or if they've got a bad breath, you can smell the bad breath. But there's even smell involved. But when we get together with another human, there's an atmosphere of all these senses that are taking place. There's an atmosphere. And we walk around with a memory that we're able to take away from that. We remember what it was like because all our senses are involved. But you know what? When we pray to God, our physical senses are not involved. And that's what makes it so difficult. We can't see him. We find it very difficult to hear him. We can hear our own voice, but we find it very difficult to hear God. We can't touch him. We can't feel him touching us. We definitely can't smell or taste him. So our five physical senses are not involved when we are praying. And this can cause frustration, boredom with prayer, and sometimes even wondering if our prayers are even effective because there's nothing we can relate to on a physical level. And so we have to learn, if we are going to communicate with this amazing God, we have to learn that it's not gonna be with our physical senses, we're gonna to have to learn how to do it with our spiritual senses. And I want to explain it with a simple story. There's a lady that some of you might have read about. Her name was Helen Keller. And she was an American, but when she was 19 months old, she contracted a disease which left her deaf and blind. She could no longer hear and she could no longer see. So communicating with her family and with her siblings became extremely difficult and even impossible. She couldn't see them, she couldn't hear them. And there was much frustration and because she couldn't, she actually stopped communicating completely. And so they found a teacher for Helen Keller, and her name was Anne Sullivan. And Anne Sullivan started to teach Helen to communicate, not with her sight and with her hearing, but through other means. And at, at first, it was incredibly difficult. There were many objects that were thrown around the room in frustration as they were trying to teach Helen how to communicate in a different way. But eventually, Anne Sullivan succeeded and it turned into 50 years of this beautiful relationship and this communication that formed and where they were able to teach Helen Keller how to communicate. She became an author of many books and she led a really fulfilled life, but she had to learn how to communicate without her physical senses. The Bible tells us that God is spirit. He is a spirit and we communicate with him with our spirits. This is just an earthly tent that we live in, our bodies. It's just an earthly tent, but inside we have a spirit and we get to communicate with God spirit to spirit. So we need to learn how to see him with our spiritual eyes. When we look at creation, we need to learn how to see him when we look at creation. When we look at the situations in our life, if you look carefully, you will see God in those situations. When we meet with each other and we're talking to each other, if you look carefully, you will see God. We've got to learn how to see God without our physical eyes. 
We've got to learn how to, how to hear him with our spiritual ears. When we read the word of God, we've got to learn how to hear the voice of God. When you listen to a sermon, you've got to learn to say, what is God saying to me today? He wants to speak to you, but you've got to hear with your spiritual ears. God is even able to touch and comfort us in a spiritual way. I have felt the spiritual touch of my God when I've needed his touch. And it's been more real to me than a physical touch. He's truly put his hand on me and comforted me at, at times. And it's as real as a physical touch. It's interesting in Psalm 34 verse eight, God says to us, taste and see that I am good. He takes a physical sense, tasting, and he says, taste me and see that I'm good. He says it's possible in the spiritual to taste of God, to experience him, and to see that I am good. I love the way he uses a physical sense. So you need to understand that when you go to pray, it's with your spirit. It makes it easier, it makes it far more exciting when you're able to grasp this. But another reason why prayer is so difficult is this. The devil will try everything to stop you when you go to pray. Praying is incredibly powerful. It says the prayer of the righteous is powerful and effective. So every time you go to pray for anything, there is power, it's powerful. And because of that, the devil will try everything to try and stop us. Let's turn to, if you've got your Bibles with you, turn to Ephesians verse six. I'll read the verse to you. You can also read it up on the screen. So Ephesians six is talking about the battle that we are involved in. If you're a Christian, you are involved in a battle, a spiritual battle. And it's talking about the battle. And it says you have to wear the correct armor in the battle. So it's telling us all about the armor. But then it talks about what we are up against. And if you read from verse 12, it says this. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil, in the heavenly realms. Do you hear that? When you go to pray, there are rulers, there are authorities, there are powers in this dark world, there are spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms that will come against you because the devil does not want God's people to pray. And so those things will try and distract you, they will try and discourage you, they will tell you that prayer is not powerful, you're just wasting your time. You will get all sorts of these thoughts into your head and, and they will try and distract you. They will make things, other things in the world, seem far more exciting and comforting. Things like Facebook and Netflix will all of a sudden be drawing you when you actually feel you need to go pray because there is a battle happening when you start to pray. I can remember when I was 13, I remember my age because I had just started high school back in South Africa. And on TV in South Africa, on a Monday night, a series had just come out called Night Rider. Do any of you remember Night Rider? 
Knight Rider had David Hasselhoff in. And so Knight Rider was just my favorite. Because I was in high school, my parents had just said I could stay up later. And so I could watch Knight Rider, which was wonderful. And I started to watch it and loved it. And then I felt God say to me, instead of watching Knight Rider every Monday night, go into your room and pray. And I went, no, Lord. This is Knight Rider. But I felt such a burden to pray on Monday nights for one hour when Knight Rider was on. And at the age of 13, I gave up Knight Rider. I went into my room and I would pray. And I lost a whole season of Knight Rider. But what I gained was way more. Sometimes we need to pray a, pay a price in prayer in order to gain something. We need to know that there's a cost with prayer if we want to see the fruit. As a teenager, I was part of a church and we had our weekly prayer meeting, not in the evening over Zoom, but it was at six o'clock in the morning at the church facility. So we would have to get up at five, I'd have to get ready for school, put on my school uniform, and then we would be at the prayer meeting at six o'clock on a Tuesday morning so that the businessmen could leave at seven and go to work. And we would pray from six to seven, summer or winter. We would go to the church and we would pray. And the teenagers would come, the businessmen would come, and we would pray. There was a cost, but we saw the fruit of our prayers. And I sometimes worry that as a church, as a people, we don't pay the price anymore or we're not willing to pay the price anymore. If we want to see the fruit, there is a cost, people of God. And there could be a sacrifice that he's wanting you to make. If you realize that prayer is a battle and that there will be a reward and a fruit of our prayers, you would be willing to pay the price. So God says to you today, Come on, keep going. You can do it. Don't give up. I want us to read a story in 1 Kings 18, verse 16. It will be on the screen, but if you've got your Bibles, turn to the Old Testament. I think this is one of the best stories about prayer. 1 Kings 18, and we're going to read from verse 16. So the background to the story, as you look it up, is this. Israel was being led by King Ahab, and his wife was Jezebel. And the Bible says they were both extremely wicked in the eyes of the Lord. And they were wicked because they served the Baal God, and the Baal religion was extremely wicked. When the people went to offer sacrifices, they offered babies and children as their sacrifices not animals. And so in the eyes of the Lord, it was extremely wicked. And Ahab and Jezebel led Israel over this time, and so Israel started to follow Baal instead of following Jehovah as they had always done. And so God's heart was so grieved and he wanted to turn the nation back to him. So he sends a man called Elijah, and he says, Elijah, Go remind my people of who I am. Go remind them how good I have been to them and turn their hearts back to me. And this is the story we read. I'm going to read it from verse 16. So Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him. And Ahab went to meet Elijah. 
When he saw Elijah, he said to him, Is that you, O troubler of Israel? I have not made trouble for Israel, Elijah replied, but you and your father's family have. You have abandoned the Lord's commands, and you have followed the Baals. Now summon the people from all over Israel to meet me on Mount Carmel, and bring the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent word throughout all of Israel and assembled the prophets on Mount Carmel. Elijah went before the people and said, How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, then follow him. But if Baal is God, then follow him. But the people said nothing. Then Elijah said to them, I am the only one of the Lord's prophets left, but Baal has 450 prophets. Get two bulls for us. Let them choose one for themselves and let them cut it into pieces and put it on the wood, but not set fire to it. I will prepare the other bull and put it on the wood, but not set fire to it. Then you call on the name of your God and I will call on the name of the Lord. That's prayer. He's saying to them, you call on the name of your God, I'm going to call on the name of my God. The God who answers by fire, he is God. Then all of the people said, what you say is good. They must have been so excited. Like, let's watch this thing happen. Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose one of the bulls and prepare it first, since there are so many of you. Call on the name of your God, but do not light the fire. So they took the bull given them and prepared it. Then they called on the name of Baal from morning till noon. O Baal, answer us, they shouted. But there was no response. No one answered. And they danced around the altar they had made. At noon, Elijah began to taunt them. Shout louder, he said. Surely he is a God. Perhaps he's deep in thought. Maybe he's busy or traveling. Maybe he's sleeping and must be awakened. So they shouted louder and they slashed themselves with swords and spears as was their custom until their blood flowed. Midday passed and they continued their frantic prophesying until the time for the evening sacrifice. But there was no response. No one answered and no one paid attention. I'm sure you get a picture of the franticness of these prophets of Baal. They thought their God would answer, but their God couldn't answer because he had no ears. He couldn't even hear them. And so they became frantic. They started to shout, they started to dance, they started to cut themselves so the blood flowed and they even said, if we prophesy, maybe something will happen. But nothing happened. Sometimes, when we are praying for a person or a situation, and we've been praying for them for a long time, and our prayers don't get answered, I want to encourage you not to become frantic. I want to encourage you, don't feel the need to do other crazy things other than pray. Don't become like the bold prophets. As Christians, we need to remain calm and consistent. We need to keep praying to our Father through Jesus with the help of the Holy Spirit. That's what we're called to do. 
Don't become frantic and don't become, don't feel the need to start doing other things in order to get God to listen to you. Just keep calm and consistent in your prayer life. Your prayers are powerful. So let's keep reading and see what happens. Verse 36. Oh, no, let me go to, um, okay, so no one answers. Verse 30. Then Elijah says to all the people, come here to me. They came to him and he repaired the altar of the Lord, which was in ruins. Elijah took 12 stones, one for each of the tribes descended from Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come saying, your name shall be Israel. With the stones, he built an altar in the name of the Lord and he dug a trench around it large enough to hold two sears of seed. He arranged the wood, cut the bulls into pieces and laid it on the wood. Then he said to them, fill four large jars of, with water and pour it on the offering and on the wood. Do it again, he said, and they did it again. Do it a third time, he ordered, and they did it a third time. The water ran down around the altar and even filled the trench. Three times, Elijah tells them to pour water on the wood. He's making it impossible for fire to ignite the wood. Who would do that? Who would make their prayer even more impossible to be answered? But Elijah does, you know why? Because he knows his God. And he knows his God can do the impossible. And so he doesn't mind making it even more impossible. I love this about Elijah and prayer. Prayer is about knowing your God and not being afraid of the impossible. Elijah made it three times more impossible. At the time of sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel, and I am your servant and have done all these things at your command. Answer me, O Lord, answer me, so that these people will know that you, O Lord, are God, and that you are turning their hearts back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, and the soil, and it also licked up the water in the trench. When all of the people saw this, they fell prostrate and cried, the Lord is God, the Lord, he is God. Elijah's prayer and God, God's answer to his prayer caused others to see God, it caused others to see that God is real. Your prayer and God's answers to your prayer will cause others to see that he is God. So keep praying. He's saying, don't give up. Keep going. You can do this. As I mix with, with wonderful people, friends of mine, in other religions, they serve other gods. I love and I respect them. But they have often said to me this, well, are we all not just praying to the same God? We just call him a different name. We'll call him Allah, we'll call him Baal, we'll call him Krishna, we'll call him Buddha, Buddha, you call him Jesus. Are we not just praying to the same God? Well, this story in the Bible tells me no. They were praying to Baal, Elijah was praying to the Lord, one answered and one didn't. And this story refutes that. Christian prayer is radically different from every, any other prayer. All other religions pray. 
All religions pray, but we need to understand and know today that Christian prayer is radically different than any other. Christian prayer is praying to your father. No other religion prays to their father, intimate father, son and daughter relationship. We pray to our father. We pray through Jesus. No other religion has made it possible for their people to reach their, their, their God. Jesus has made it possible. No other religion has the, has the Holy Spirit in order to help them to pray. Do you see how Christian prayer is so radically different? And you've got to understand that in order to know how powerful it is. So when my friends say, but aren't we praying to the same God? I can very gently say to them, it's not the same God. And can I show you why? And I tell them exactly what I've told you. Christian prayer is radically different from any other prayer. And God has called you to that. God has called you to pray. To pray. So can you hear your father saying to you this morning, come on, keep going. Don't give up. You can do this. I truly hope you hear the voice of the Father. I would love to pray for us this morning, but I'd like to pray this. And if you would like this prayer to have an impact in your life, I'm going to ask you to stand, whether you're here in the building or whether you are at home. But I want us to make a physical step in saying, I would. And this is what I'm going to pray. So listen before you stand, because you might want, not want this. <laughs> I'm going to ask that God lights a fire in our lives to pray. And that's a prayer that God will answer. Some prayers, I go, Lord, is this of you? Is this not of you? If I pray this, he's gonna answer it. So there will be something that happens in your life where he lights the fire for you to pray. Because I believe God is calling his people to a different level of prayer. We don't know what's next year's hold. We don't know what the future holds, but we need to be a people who prays and who knows how to pray. So I wanna pray that into your life for you. So if you would like to receive that, you can stand, whether you're in your homes, whether you're here in the building, and I'm just gonna pray over us. Father, I find myself standing too as I pray for us. Thank you that we can pray to you, Heavenly Father, through Jesus, with the help of the Holy Spirit. Prayer is an amazing tool that you've given to us, and we say thank you for it, Lord. But Father, you know what we are like. You know our frailty. You know our humanness, O oh God, and we really do need your help, Holy Spirit. And so I pray in the name of Jesus, that for those of us whose hearts are open and whose hearts are saying, yes, Lord, help me, I pray in the name of Jesus that you will light a fire of prayer in our lives and you would teach us how to pray and you would give us the desire to pray and you would give us the willingness to pay the price and the cost if we need to give certain things up in order to do it, Lord. I pray for our spirits, Lord, that you would open up our spirits so that we can commune with you, Spirit of God, that we can have fellowship with you, spirit to spirit. From the newest Christian 
to the oldest Christian, we pray that you would ignite something in our hearts, Lord. We are the people of God and you've called us to pray. In Jesus' name, amen.